perverts, time wasters, homonormative fantasists, and gender deviants. Welcome to the Perverts Podcast. Tonight we'll be uncovering perversions and persuasions of times gone by. I'm mulling these over with our historian and a few friends from the cabaret scene. I've asked them to select an item from various queer archives and join me at the Royal Vauxhall Tavern to chat these through and share a brand new piece of cabaret, especially created in response to the artefact, for your ears only. This is the Perverts Podcast. Now the history of normal people's really nice and ever But let's chat about something a bit more interesting. Hello world, here I am. I'm a bouncy little lamb and I say bam. Yes, I'm a pervert. You say I'm tossed and apart like a pickle in your jam. And I say bam. Yes, I'm a pervert. Another queer city joy packed in every milligram. And I say bam. I am artist, writer and director Leo Skilbeck and co-founder of queer performance company Milk Presents. I'm fascinated by what has been considered perverted throughout history and why. If you want to know more about me, Milk and the ins and outs of why we made this show, then check out episode zero. But for now, let's slip into something a little more comfortable and make our way to the RVT. One hundred and sixty years old, give or take. Giving it, taking it, she's seen it all. A majesty in her own league. At ease in her incongruity. In the way she doesn't mind sticking out. Those eyes blinking. Her lashes flashing a wink to the queers who chance to look up from the masses who pass by these crossroads at Vauxhall. Are you ready? Come dressed up as yourself this evening. Slip on a pair of Here I Am. Pull on your most revealing smashing it over your favourite We Got This. The bouncer checks our bags and our pockets. If you're anyone, you'll know him. We know that and we go in. And whether your feet know these tiles or it's your first time inside. No matter. This invitation is yours to take. Welcome out of the cold and through these doors, up onto the lap of the Royal Vauxhall Tavern! (laughs) My name is Leo and I am your host, your secret admirer and long-term fanboy of tonight's guest. And tonight you'll find me sipping a margarita, licking salt off the rim... But I don't know, I don't know whether this is the point for the facade to crumble. I don't know if that was on the line a little bit too far. I'm in a glistening latex combo of shorts, shirt and bow tie, complete with Doc Martens. 
I am joined on stage here with resident historian and queer connoisseur Jacob Bloomfield, who is a Zukunftskolleg postdoctoral fellow at the University of Constance and an honorary research fellow at the University of Kent. Jacob, hello, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me back. You are so welcome. Now, please, can you tell us? We are gagging to know what are you wearing and what you're drinking. Well, a little earlier, I was listening to the Bette Midler song, uh-huh. Night in Black Leather, and we'll be talking about mm-hmm. some leather stuff and similar apparel later on. So I guess I'm a knight in black leather today and maybe wearing Bette Midler on my lap as well. Love- oh, she's here as well. Love so, it. Yeah. And Bathhouse Bette. <laughs> what are you drinking? Well, earlier I uh, I had a cup of water that tasted suspiciously like the previous <laughs> cup owner's lip gloss. Uh, in, in a different bar, of course. Not here, not and, the other uh, yeah. A bar with lowered standards. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I'm drinking. Lip glossy <laughs> tap water with a touch of lip gloss. Absolutely delicious. Let's all have one of those. All right, let's welcome to the stage our guest for this evening. Georgeois Bourgeois is one half of the heartthrob extraterrestrial duo Bourgeois and Maurice, creators of nine theatre shows, four studio albums and one podcast. Their work is ridiculously catchy, funny and subversive. Their songs literally have soundtracked my millennial existence from Tax Me Baby, which is a must-listen on the 31st of January, to Goodbye Europe, which was way ahead of Brexit. Put your hands together for the man who puts the hoe into showbiz. It's Georgeois Bourgeois! Thank you. Welcome, welcome. Come take a seat. What an introduction. Thanks. It is an absolute pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure to be here. The f- one question we're all wanting to know is, how is Maurice? Oh, she's okay. Uh-huh, yeah. yeah, she's still she's still flat packed. We have <laughs> we 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 put her down in a, in one of the boxes at the beginning of COVID, and we'll mm-hmm. we'll we'll get her back out when, when okay, it's yeah, ready. Okay, yeah, she can come back next time. We'll send her our love. We will. Um, so, can you tell us? What you're wearing and what you're drinking. Today, I'm wearing the first item that was ever made for me in Bourgeois Maurice, and mm-hmm. it's a pink polka dot gimp suit uh, wow. with neon yellow um, arse and tip plates. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's lovely. Mm-hmm. I used to crawl over the audience in it, but I can't do that anymore because I'm really old. <laughs> <laughs> and what are you drinking? I'm, well, I'm, I'm trying out a new thing where I've given up booze and caffeine simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, How's that going? It's horrible. It's really horrible. So I'm having a decaf espresso martini, mm-hmm. which has no vodka or vermouth or anything in it or caffeine. So it's just dirty water. <laughs> Nice. Are you just giving it all up in one go? Not like yeah, one and I thought, the other, just go yeah, for it. Yeah, like just go out. for it in a way. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's going to be, either of them is going to be hideous. Mm-hmm. So maybe I just like make go for maximum just horror. go all in, yeah. yeah. Okay, and we are now going to introduce the, the next star of the show. It is going to have a whoop and a holler for the 1980s gay ads. Uh, so this is a selection of adverts for the queer man about town from our friends at the Bishopsgate Institute. So a big shout out and loads of love to them. Now, George, uh, can I call you George or George Bourgeois? Which would you prefer? You can call me George, it's just shorter. Okay, okay, cool. So George, can you please describe it for us? What can you see? Can you just paint a, uh, a picture in our minds, please, okay. of these ads? So I'm seeing a, a really actually very beautifully laid out... Um, 
magazine page with six adverts in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're all very broad in, the, in what they're advertising, kind of. There's one which is my favorite ad on the page. Uh, it's kind of like designed a bit like a Wurlitzer, and it's for Poppers by Post. Mm-hmm. And they have all the leading brands available. Um, <laughs> Liquid Gold, Hardcore, High Tech, Rush Bolt, Quicksilver. There's some poppers here that I've never even heard of, which is so sad. It's so sad how our history is being erased. Um, there's one for Apple Gay, which mm-hmm. is the first name in gay friendship. Um, also the last name in gay friendship, I think, because it doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> Apple Gay. There's also one for CompuGay, and I find that quite interesting because it's like Apple Gay and CompuGay. It's quite like digital. It's quite like digital advertising. There's the Stud Gay Center on Frith Street, which... I wish still existed because they stock novels, guides, poppers, and cards, cards, cards. Like, what, I, what other cards? Is that like a euphemism? Mm. I don't know. Like, if, I just sort of see like stacks of greetings cards mm. on like a wall. Like, oh, that's nice. It's like Oliver Bonas. Um, there's one for like Man Around the Canary Islands, which is like a holiday trip. And there's one for Gay and Catholic, So Are We. That's like a Catholic dating thing. So yeah, it's like all your retail opportunities Mm. on one page. I love the one for the uh, holiday complex that is like, it has landscape gardens. And yeah, um, yeah, Europe's largest gay holiday complex. I didn't even know there was one, never mind Europe's largest gay one. Yeah, it's a big one, isn't it? And Uh and you can... um, you can go for landscape gardens, you can go swimming, windsurf, jeep, and you can soak up the sunshine. But they've also, because this is in gay times, you can also go cruising. That's like one of the things they offer, which is really nice to feel like it's like specifically for the gay community. You can go look at the landscape gardens. And, and then go cruising. Yeah. And that kind of fits quite well with us being near the pleasure gardens of RVT, I think. I think of mm. them as like a landscape garden cruising area. Yeah, it's so a lot it's... nicer than a cemetery. <laughs> And in terms of the look of it, do the fonts some stand out or some small or what? Just give yeah, us a, an it's idea. It's very like, I mean, the man around the Canary Islands gives mm-hmm. me kind of like back of a tobacco uh, packet type warning thing. It's like very like, yeah, come to Canary Islands, but yeah, smoking's bad for your health. It's kind of got a kitsch quality to it. It's quite high contrast. The one that really draws your eye is the Stud Gay Center because there is a stud next to it. Mm-hmm. And it's a very kind of Tom of Finland illustration of a guy in like black PVC and Stetson. That's great. Yeah, I think they've really taken their time to like have a very detailed illustration of that man there with his shirt open as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah they've really draw the eye in. They really do draw the eye mm-hmm. in there. Yeah. Like I think what's happening around his crotch, like there's a lot of detail. <laughs> I feel yeah, like that, that was, was one that they drew really big and then they had to shrink it down to get <laughs> it onto the They've actually highlighted page. that area. The rest of his trousers are quite dark and yeah, that area is a lot of shine. There's a lot going on there. Yeah. Uh, lovely, thank you. And obviously, like, I gave you a few options to choose for this and you were like, no, the gay ads is for me. Yes. What was it about it that made you think, actually, I'm kind of drawn to this or I'm interested or why did you pick it or why did you well, want to talk about it? I... Against my better judgment, I kind of love advertising. Mm -hmm. Like, I hate capitalism, but I love advertising. And, like, the only songs I can ever remember are the songs from adverts. (laughs) (laughs) And so I was just drawn to this. I think maybe I've spent a long time, like, trying to know if I am not just a completely superficial person. And I think I've come to to accept that maybe I am, and that's okay. Like, adverts are, like, they're so honest. Like, it's kind of like, if you go through the magazines, you go through the editorial, you're always being sold something, but it's always dressed up as something else. Whereas I find the ad pages, like, very, like, upfront about mm-hmm, what they're offering. Mm-hmm. And there's something 
very exciting about that. And there's also, I just think that this page, it's like such a window into a specific time. Like, I think that's what ads can really do. Like, mm. you can really get to see just how people were operating. This was 1985, you know, you could get your poppers by post. It felt mm-hmm. like, you know, you could get everything you ever needed. You can get your cards from the Stradgay Center, your <laughs> greetings cards. Yeah, what else do you need? Yeah. What more do you need? Exactly. I just think it, yeah, I just, it, really, it really spoke to me. Mm. It makes total sense to me that you love the music from adverts because your songs are so catchy. So I feel like you're like, hmm, how to make a catchy theme Yeah, tune. I think really we should have been jingle writers, but yeah. we just ended up in queer cabaret. You could have made so much money. Yeah, I know. <laughs> what the hell have I done with my life? And here you are talking to us. Thank you know, you. Barry Manilow started out as a jingle writer. Did he? So mm-hmm. there's still time. Okay, great. My mum will be happy. You could do a reverse Manolo from yeah. pop music into <laughs> No, I actually love one of my favorite adverts on here is the Stud Gay Center. Now, Jacob, can you give us just a little bit of background on this kind of shop or who this might have appealed to? Or can you just tell us just tell us a little bit uh, about that? I did some digging, digging that just consisted of putting the address of the Stud mm-hmm. Gay Center. Detective or, work. Into Google Great. Maps. And uh, it is now a confectionery. Shop. Oh, okay. It's on Frith Street, mm-hmm. so sort of Soho, Soho area. Yeah. So I think that sort of speaks to the uh, gentrification of the area, which is well underway, if not basically completed. And I went into this in a previous episode, but it's also relevant for this episode, the kind of ascendancy of masculine fashions and overtly masculine identities, aka the clone identity, which kind of came into being, had its genesis in the 50s, but truly became ubiquitous in the 1970s and 1980s. So this store, uh, as you can tell from the title, the Stud Gay Center, and also from the Tom of Finland type cowboy man on the front, it would have appealed to uh, clones, I suppose. And yeah, this form of identity eroticized the male form uh, through readily identifiable masculine tropes like cowboys and bikers and things of that nature. If you think of the village people, mm-hmm, you're not mm-hmm. too far off. And it was somewhat influenced by masculine fashions in the 1960s counterculture. At the time, you had kind of like Western wear, men growing out their facial hair, mm-hmm. longer hair, things of that nature. Also, sexual promiscuity was more acceptable amongst men in the counterculture. But the gay version of that was much less casual and more kind of closely curated. Um, So the mustaches wouldn't just be sort of overgrown. They'd be maybe ideally finely trimmed Mm. and things like that. And the clothes would probably, would be less casual. You'd actually kind of think about curating your look a little bit more if you were really into the macho gay Scene. And as I said, there was an aesthetic component to this, and I'm sure a lot of people were just drawn to it because they thought, you know, this is the way to be gay. They went to maybe the Royal Vauxhall Tavern when they were 18, and they saw people dressed like cowboys and leathermen, and they said, oh, this is, must be how it works, so I'm going to do this too. And then they got kind of assimilated into the clone scene, sort of like uh, the Borg in Star Trek. But then there was also a philosophical component whereby a lot of gay men thought that society had sort of taught gay men that they should be effeminate and uh, because that's how gay men were. So they kind of thought, no, 
by being masculine, we're, you know, eschewing what society is telling us about Mm -hmm. gay men. And this is kind of the more pure form. You know, we are meant to be masculine. And this is kind of the unadulterated gender presentation as it's meant to be. So that's what they thought. I don't think that, obviously. (laughs) It feels quite a masculine name, like stood, gay, center. And now it's confectioners. Yeah, and there's even... um, Foucault even said he reflected on the 1970s and 80s and uh, I remember he said that there was a time where they thought that camp men might totally disappear because the clone style was so ascendant and gay men had learned that they could be masculine so obviously everyone would start doing that and kind of throwing off the chains of uh, internalized homophobia that made them effeminate which obviously camp men exist, um, so that didn't happen. Spoiler alert. Um, I feel like it wouldn't be a queer podcast if we didn't mention Foucault at some point. Of course, point. you gotta throw them in there. Someone, yeah. did you mention cemeteries, so heterotopias? We're we've, got, we've got all the keywords in to, to this episode. And tell me a little bit about Poppers by Post. Yes. Advert that we've got on the, so, on the magazine. As you might have guessed from the, uh, the title there, mm-hmm. you could, it's a mail order poppers and poppers sort of emerged in the gay scene at uh, kind of concurrently with the clone style so it started to get quite big on the 1960s S&M scene uh, in the gay community but it really became ubiquitous poppers in the 1970s mid 1970s and uh, so popper ads in publications like the gay times would not have been unusual they were actually quite common and I got statistics for America I'm not sure what it was like in Britain, but in the United States, at its peak, the popper industry was worth $50 million. Oh, wow. Whoa. So pricey. Mm-hmm. And um, the term poppers comes from originally they were, would be in a little vial that uh, wrapped up in mesh. And you would actually just basically crush or pop the little vial under your nose. And What, what, what would it be made of? What do you mean like? Uh, like, I guess a sort of glass. I'm bad at medical knowledge. So, but they'd, you'd, you'd literally crush it under yeah, you your nose. You probably wouldn't get any, because it was wrapped up in mesh as well. So wow. it, probably, it was originally actually emergency treatment for uh, a heart problem, uh-huh. mostly experienced by old people. The heart problem, if you're really interested, uh-huh. if you want to self-medicate, if you have this and you want to self-medicate, um, for your heart, was, they take poppers. It, it for was your originally heart. used well because the poppers okay, make your heart uh-huh, beat. Yeah. It's not just you know falling in love <laughs> I know. with the per. You might think you're falling in love with the person who you just happened to be <laughs> looking at while you were sniffing the poppers. So angina pectoris mm-hmm. was the heart condition, and it's emergency relief. It wasn't okay, meant to yeah. be used kind of regularly, and also one of the ways in which uh, it was found that poppers were actually kind of fun, was that medical students discovered poppers, and I guess as medical students do, just you're surrounded by some drugs, you might as well see what happens. Work hard and you play hard when you're a med student. This is a very chaste crowd, I can tell, so they may not (laughs) know, but um, it gives you a head rush and loosens up your uh, sphincter to make anal sex easier, and yeah, just as a nice usually short-term sensation. Mm. I'm, I'm really confused. I thought it was a room odoriser. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, you I just always assume, I just open them, put little vials around my house. I'm so shocked to discover I'm this sorry. is what it does. I'm sorry we've uh, perverted your 
converted your, your mind. And it's often amyl nitrate, but it could be a similar compound as well. So they're not always amyl nitrate. So there you go. No, so they're, you know, they're popular today. You can still buy them in clubs and around kind Yeah, of, you know. and actually I did a bit of research of my own. Oh, yeah, um, go for it. Yeah, uh, taste and test. And... Um, <laughs> Because, uh, like, these poppers are £2.50 for the liquid gold hardcore high-tech and hit mm-hmm. in 1985, and then £3.50 for Rush Bolt hardware and Quicksilver. You can still get Rush poppers for, like, three fifty or less now. So this was really oh, expensive at the time. Like, yeah. yeah, like, people were really invested, and mm-hmm. I feel like that's one thing that we can hold on to yeah. that has actually got cheaper. Pop- <laughs> poppers have survived inflation. Oh, I also wanted to briefly add that uh, poppers were so ubiquitous and uh, popular in the gay community that some San Francisco politicians in the 1970s actually appropriated the logos of poppers for their campaigns. I guess so people would subconsciously associate them with Amor and a good time. Well, like politicians. So politicians would take, so one politician, for instance, I think there's a popper brand called Rush, which you can see there. Mm -hmm. And in a notable case, I think it was like a distinctive yellow and red logo. And so uh, San Francisco, somebody who is running for, I think, San Francisco Board of Supervisors appropriated that logo, but put his name in the place of Rush. And he won, actually, I think. So subliminal um, messaging. So yeah, (laughs) there you go. And like, I was actually looking up uh, how legal they were. And it's like, yep, yeah, they are legal as long as you're not buying them for human consumption. But I was like, well, what? I don't know what else you would buy it for. But I think they're like... technically more not illegal than uh, okay. legal, <laughs> yeah. but yes. Yeah. yeah, okay, cool. So there was a, a commons debate, I want to say, between five and ten years ago. Mm-hmm. And, there, and a Tory MP stood up and defended... Poppers and the. <laughs> were they the queer, this MP? I think they were a gay yeah, Tory yeah. MP. Um, and uh, yeah. And so, well, and uh, this was, they did something good for. <laughs> well, about um, time. And so they, because they were, I guess, considering adding poppers to the list of the new drugs that were illegal that year. Yeah. But this Tory MP stood up for poppers on the floor of the House of Commons and made a moving. Beach, and I'm assuming there was a soaring orchestra music mm-hmm, in the mm-hmm. background, or maybe some <laughs> some Kylie in the background. Um, so uh, poppers were saved that yeah. day, and I yeah. think we should have a plaque commemorating yeah, that. Definitely, we're Eddie Redmayne can play him in a movie version. Of <laughs> Actually, my friend, when that was happening, my friend panic bought. Um, like he was so convinced it was going to go through oh and they were going to be banned, he panic bought poppers and kept them all in his loft, and they do go off. That's <laughs> They, they, don't, they do stop working you know, after a while. Hand, uh, yeah. Don't go near them. Um, and what do you think the big difference, Jacob, is between then and now in terms of queer advertising? Well, I think this isn't you know, entirely the case, but mm-hmm. back then, if you saw ads like these, they were probably like targeted towards the queer community. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think now, if you see ads with, you know, rainbow flags or uh, queer couples that, you know, maybe they're advertising towards the queer community, but maybe they are mostly or at least partially kind of turning around to straight people and saying, see, we are a progressive, forward-facing 
companies. So it's actually using it and using the aesthetic, yeah. using the politics of it to be like, come buy our stuff, straight people. Yeah. I don't think yeah. the poppers people are doing yeah, maybe. <laughs> The, pop, <laughs> maybe the poppers them. people are still pure. Oh, one thing I wanted to add, I did really like how uh, under Ram poppers, it says pure English poppers. So they're anticipating <laughs> yeah. the, the, the Brexit, Brexit friendly. <laughs> the Brexit crowd, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to get any of those foreign poppers. I want 100% British poppers. Yeah, I think I'm poppered out. Yeah. If you gave us some poppers, we might be inspired. Well, I actually do have some in my bag, but I think uh, okay. yeah, I probably shouldn't go there. So, speaking of the pink pound, I think it's time for us to spend hours at the bar, and I'll see you after the interval. It's the podcast. I'm here for lifting the lid. It is up close and personal questions with the one and only George Bourgeois. Lift the lid, lift the lid, lift the la 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 lid. Alright, okay, watch yourself on that flush train there. Oh, yeah, okay, alright, here we go. Do you have a favourite queer bathroom in all the queer bars? Favourite queer bathroom. Yeah. Oh, um, I think my favourite queer bathroom might currently be uh, the one at the Glory. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, because classic. yeah, it's a classic. It's a classic bathroom. It's right next to the dressing room, so it's like it always keeps you grounded as a performer because you can be getting ready and then you have to come out and then you queue up and then you go straight in there. I love that. <laughs> you can't get any big ideas. You can't. You no. Like you got to get in the queue with everyone else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I know. I mean, David Hoyle when he gets ready here at the RBT, he's often you know he's got his own jacuzzi. But <laughs> I, I've never found that myself. Like that he keeps that hidden. There's no hot tub for you in the secret corner of the RBT. No way. Okay, question for you. What is your favourite queer bar? My favourite queer bar, like, in the whole world? Yeah, like, where do you, where do you like, okay, of all of them, this is my fave. Okay, so, actually, I was talking about this the other day with a friend, because the queer bar that I miss the most okay, in London, yeah. which is a slightly different question, but it's Trash Palace, which was I on Wardour Street. And it was on, yeah, it was on Wardour Street, it was, like, kind of part of the, like, pop stars ghetto uh-huh. thing, it was sort of like an indie gay club. It doesn't exist anymore because of the whole gentrification of Soho, and it doesn't exist because kind of gay indie thing has kind of happened but I really miss it because it was just such a fun space and it was that thing where like it was kind of dirty and messy and it was also in the middle of town so it brought queers from all over the city rather than that like slightly ghettoized thing of like East London, South London gays. I kind of like that about this Soho clubs. But right now my favourite gay club, my favourite kind of queer club is still the glory. Mm-hmm. I do I love the glory. Yeah, yeah I love I'm the very affectionate, well. yeah. Obviously with the RBT as well, we're here, there's that historic thing with the RBT, but there's something really cool about the Glory. Yes, exactly. The RBT is my favourite place to play, like, Mm. it's just, the stage is amazing, the audience is great, like, yeah. For me it's like, um, the Glory is kind of like the Soho Theatre and then the RBT is like the Opera House. Like, (laughs) you have to, the Glory, it's like, the audiences are going to be kind of very rowdy, you're in the downstairs basement space, everyone's, Mm. it's kind of intense and you can't plan it too much. And then you can, but then at the RBT, I think you have to kind of know your shit a bit more because mm. people are a little bit more like, you, I mean, you're raised up on a stage. 
Yes. That's pretty unforgiving. You're already on a podium. There's no... Also, with the glory, you've, like, queued in that quite kind of thin stairway. So you already know the people... Uh, as an audience member, you already know the people behind you. In yeah. front of you, you know all the gossip of the person like a few sort of steps down. Yeah. You've all waited there in the dark, and then you're finally let into the basement. Yeah, exactly. So it's got a kind of intimate... Yeah, intimate and you don't know if you're going to be able to get out of there again. If there's you a may fire, never like, do. You, you've got to commit to the fact <laughs> yeah. that like, we're having a good night tonight, whatever. <laughs> That's it, and five days later, maybe you'll be <laughs> set free, you know. Oh, okay, who is... Your queer crush right now? Oh, right now my queer yeah. crush. I, I'm I'm so completely in love with Lil Nas X. Oh yeah, like absolutely. I just think he's phenomenal. Yeah, mm-hmm. like so, uh, just just exactly what the world needs at the yeah. moment. Like I I have lost my so many hours of my days watching YouTube videos of Lil Nas X, just, just talking, him. just doing anything. Yeah. Yeah, I love him as well. Nice yeah. one. If you found fifty pound on the floor in these toilets, like right now, mm. if you're like, oh. £50? Yeah. What would you do with it? Well, firstly, I would not hesitate to pick it up. Like, I'm not one of those people that's going to be like, what is on that £50? You just like, like £50. Come on, yeah. like, we've got anti bag hands <laughs> up for shit like that now. Also, they're quite laminated. They're now. laminated. Oh, like, I actually haven't held a £50 bag. The £20 ones are like laminated. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. You can rinse that under a tap and yeah, you can go exactly. spending. Um, I think, well, it would be really nice to share it, wouldn't it, around everyone at the other team. But I feel like 50 quid wouldn't go that far, so maybe I'd go and I'd go and buy... A load of poppers. A load of poppers, <laughs> yeah. And we'd put it all through the aircon system. We wouldn't tell anyone, it'd be a nice surprise. <laughs> we'd all I leave in a couple that. of weeks, yeah. And what is the most outrageous thing you've done in a toilet? Oh, God, I was really trying to think about this, because, I mean, I have had sex in a toilet, but that doesn't feel that outrageous. Mm-hmm. Um, that's by the by. That's by the by. The mo- I mean, so like, so you've, had, you've had sex in the toilet, but what's the most outrageous thing you've Yeah, done? exactly. Um, I think the most outrageous thing, I have broken a sink off the wall, but not having sex in the toilet, just getting ready. I, I like the way you've clarified that. Yes, I just would like to be very clear. <laughs> yeah. It was, uh-huh. yeah, um, it was in the days when you would have to get ready, like, into drag in a toilet, yeah. and there was never very much space. And, like, I feel like promoters need to kind of get their head around the fact that people who wear a lot of makeup do need like a mirror and stuff. If anyone can take anything from this podcast, it's that. It That's the take-home important message. This is the important message yeah, that we yeah. have to start changing the world for uh, the better. Uh, promoters, if you're listening, Come please on. hear us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I broke a sink off the wall. I, I, like, water went everywhere. Like it Before was... you were going on? Yeah, I mean, they had to close the venue because there was water oh, like, pouring out of the toilet. Okay, that wins most outrageous thing. That okay. is more outrageous than having sex in the bathroom. Yeah. Um, and did they fix it? No, they had to... No, they venue. couldn't. I think, I think they managed to stop the water, but the people couldn't go back in there because it was like, you know, I wasn't doing it on the water show. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, what would you graffiti on this toilet door or wall for queers to read in years to come? So we're kind of, you know, 50, 100 years from now, someone's coming in, they're like, oh, this graffiti that George Bourgeois has written. What do you want to say? You can have Um, a little bit of time to think about it as well. Yeah, what would I say? I I think I'd just um, say... Uh, here's my number. <laughs> um, yeah. I hope I'm immortal. Give me a call. Like, find me on Grinder. I'll be like 1500 years old at this point, but that's fine. Here's my number. Give me a call. Yeah. Um, what did you say? I'm uh, immortal I'm, now. Yeah, I'm immortal. Like, fingers crossed I'll be immortal. Like, yeah. I, pl- I plan to be. So, yeah. if I can write it on the wall now, like, I could be one of those people that never changes their mobile number. So, like, in 1500 years' time, I could write my name, my number on a door now, mm-hmm. and then, like, 
the people of the future yeah. can so call me and be like, in, in 1500 years, call me. Yeah. This is lifting the lid with yeah. George Robotra. If you like older guys, yeah. I'm 1500 years old, give me a call. Like, yeah. Off we go. Yeah. All right, thank you so, so much. Thank you, George Robotra. It was a total pleasure to interview you for lifting the lid up close and personal in the toilets of the RVT. Thank you. Lift the lid, lift the lid, lift the la 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 lid. All right, welcome back, everybody. And now put your hands together for a brand new piece of cabaret. It's Bourgeois and the Gay Ads. Thank you. So um, I've written, I originally wrote this as a poem, and then I realized that if you put music to poems, they become songs. So I found a piece of music that sounds very gay porny um, and just felt appropriate for my um, poem slash song. Thank you very much. Hit it. Playing in bed and my lover boy said I don't think that I can do it I need help to get me through it A rush to the head I said don't worry about a thing And picked up my magazine Flicked to the back where the advertising said Poppers by post Poppers by post all the leading brands available But always read the label We really advise you Only use it as a room odoriser Yeah, right So next thing the bell rings Guess what Royal Mail brings A dozen little bottles And a free G-string From Poppers by Post Poppers by Post my lover boy couldn't wait, he took a hit of hardcore Suddenly he's on the floor, begging for more I'd never seen my lover boy so enthusiastic to do it You would never have guessed he was Catholic Yeah, we met through Quest, I saw it in Gay Times, you should check it out him a jolt but he really got loose when he drank a whole bottle of jungle juice that's when my lover boy got real bold gave himself an enema of liquid gold suddenly he didn't care poppers going everywhere hardware burning holes in his underwear face bright red eyes jet black he turns and says, now I feel relaxed. And that's when things got really weird. I cried out, baby, not another sniff. Put the bottle down, we're sending it right back to Hammersmith. I felt a breeze, I heard a hiss. Next thing I was swallowed deep into my lover boy's abyss. It's so dark in here Now I'm with my lover boy every day He keeps me somewhere deep inside him in a literal way And he's doing well, I'm happy to say He found himself another lover through Compugay Poppers by post 
Beware, poppers by post. I regret writing that check to poppers by post. Thank you. Joshua, bonjour. Thank you. I just love the idea that you are inside your lover in a literal way as he's then going off to the Canary Islands with somebody else. And yeah. it's kind of heartbreaking. In a way, they've gone as a threesome. Well, in a way, absolutely. Yeah. I love the moment when you said, that's when things got really weird. Because I'm like, okay, now it's getting weird. <laughs> uh, thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely adored that. Thank you. Um, do we have any questions from the audience for uh, Jacob or for Joshua Bourgeois? Uh, let's just get the mic over there. Yeah. I was just actually remembering something that I think I've heard you say before, George, about how you and Maurice actually started. And I feel like it was working in a marketing department. Well, I did work in a marketing department, yeah. And certain so, she did, but not at the same place. And then she was told to go and fix a photocopier and kind of had, a, I, think, I think, a sort of minor breakdown at the photocopier emotionally and wrote to me and said, I can't fix photocopiers for the rest of my life. Do you want to do something else? And then, yeah, so then we, set, then we entered like an open mic night and we, and we put Paul Jean-Louis together. So it was kind of, yeah... Um, the drudgery of advertising that led to Bush. <laughs> <laughs> well, little like little did full, we know. A full circle moment. Yeah, totally. Of you started in marketing. But nobody tells you that, like, when you go into do then cabaret and stuff, that you spend your whole life actually doing advertising anyway. So it's just like, oh, cool. I thought I'd be in the system, but now I haven't. I'm fully in it. I think that's the spin off to Mad Men that you just <laughs> It's the queer spin off that we all want yeah, in our lives. And the offices of the RVT. <laughs> Can have a huge round of applause for Jacob, please. Jacob Bloomfield. And for Georgia Bourgeois. And for the 1984 Gay Ads. Thank you so much. See you next time and keep it queer. The Perfect Podcast was created by Milk Presents and I was joined by the wonderful Georgia Bourgeois from Bourgeois and Maurice and Jacob Bloomfield. The Pervitz Podcast is produced by She Wants a Dog, letting podcasts off the lead, and was recorded at the historical and ever-gorgeous Royal Vauxhall Tavern. Our sound design is by Ian Armstrong, and the theme music is composed and performed by Serial Davis. A big thanks to Arts Council England and Derby Theatre for supporting this, and to the Bishopsgate Institute. If you like The Pervitz Podcast, please do share and shout about it. You might also like a couple of other podcasts produced by She Wants a Dog, such as A Practical Guide to Death and Sick Babe, which are both well worth checking out. You can find these and more at shewantsadog.com or follow at shewantsadog. It's the